0: Well, we did have a great day yesterday, and your preacher told me that uh, the men, they really benefited from the devotion, that there was a lot of spiritual application, and he said that the uh, illustration, the spiritual illustration about the uh, medical doctor was such a help to so many of the men. He asked if I would share that again this morning. Is that permissible for you men that were here? Is that worth repeating for this crowd or not? That's worth it. All right. Well, <clears throat> and the reason, especially for the lesson today, y- young people look at old people sometimes like they're they're out of touch with reality. It's a new millennium. It's a new generation. They really don't know what's going on, and they write off old people a lot of times. and And I can understand that. We are slow. We are cranky. We we're no fun. Uh, but you don't want to write us all off. I. I told the men yesterday of the old guy that retired and got bored after a while of retirement. And um, so he was just an old geezer and he decided that he was going to open up a medical clinic out of his home. He just thought the the whole medical field was just a farce. It was just a way of making money off of scared people. And so he wanted to prove his point. And so he put a sign out front, medical clinic, the old Geezer's medical clinic, $500 per visit, $1,000 refund if I can't heal you. And so the young doctor in town obviously resented that, and so he made an appointment to see Dr. Geezer. And he went into his office, and he came in, and he said, Doc, I've lost my taste I can't taste anything. Uh, It doesn't make any difference what I eat, a steak, a candy bar. I can't taste anything. So he looked at his wife and he said, "Uh, nurse, uh, in box 22, could you you bring this man and apply three drops to his tongue? And so she put three drops in that young doctor's mouth. And that's gasoline. He said, uh, well, your taste has been restored. $500, please. (laughs) Well, he left very angry. And so the next week he came in to see Dr. Geezer. And he said, you know, um, I don't even remember. um, Have I been here before? I've been seeking help for some time. Uh, I I seem to have lost my memory. And, And I don't know if I've been to you or some other doctor or not. And. Can can you help me? He said, Yeah, I think I can help you. He looked at his wife, he said, Honey, um, box twenty-two, b- bring me bring me over and, and give this man three drops from box twenty-two. He said, Oh no, you don't. That's gasoline. He said, Oh, good, your memory's back. It'll be five hundred dollars, please. Well, the next week he he was really ticked. And he came back in and he he felt the doctor and he felt his face, Doctor Geezer. He said, "You know, I can hardly see." He said, and um, I had to have a friend drop me off over here, but I just want to make sure it was you, and not somebody else. But uh, I just can't see. Do you have anything for that? He said, "Well, quite frankly, really, I don't." He said, "Well, I I heard that if you couldn't help me, then you owe me a thousand dollars." Well, yeah. I, I owe you $1,000 because I can't help you with your sight. So he pulled out his wallet and gave him a $10 bill. And Dr. Young said, hey, that's not $1,000, that's $10. He said, that'll be $500. <laughs> You've got your sight back. <laughs> so the moral of the story is, don't write us old geezers off. <laughs> we might know a few things you can learn from. Well, it doesn't make any difference how old you are. When you stand before an audience, whether they're younger or older than you, you are safe when you say, open your Bibles, please. I tell our church, never take for granted and never become ungrateful that the first words out of your preacher's mouth are, open your Bibles, please. Because that's so important. As much as we enjoy conversing one with another, quite frankly, your opinion is just as good as mine. Uh, Well, maybe not quite as good as mine, but (laughs) you get the gist of what I'm stating. But the truth of the matter is, we're all fallible. We all make mistakes. And there's only one person that never has, never will make a mistake, and that's God. And so when God speaks, we can take it to the bank even though it contradicts every bit of human wisdom, if God said it, that settles it. Period. And so today I want to look at Psalm 71 a little bit, and I'm not going to read through the whole psalm, but I'm going to teach through the whole psalm. And the lesson today is really a follow-up yesterday to the men that I spoke. Uh, One of the greatest hindrances to the work of God and the reason why it's a hindrance is because it's one of those uh, barriers that we typically don't list up there with adultery and murder and stealing. It's this thing called grumpiness, complaining, murmuring. Complaining is when we feel that we've been offended and we're hurting physically, we, we have resentment. Murmuring is when we audibly say something but in a mutter. It's not that we take it to the Lord as we're instructed in Psalms and bring our complaints to God. If you have a complaint, then you need to take it to the Lord because quite frankly, he's the only one that really can fix complaints. But if it's not a legitimate complaint, then the worst thing we can do is start murmuring because that will cause division in the church of the living God. So, uh, Proverbs says there's six things that God hates. Seven are an abomination. You know what number seven is? They that sow discord amongst the brethren. And so you and I are thinking, wow, of all the sins in the Bible that, that are listed, and God is hung up over those that sow discord, isn't there bigger fish in the sea? Isn't there bigger problems? Well, it depends what you love the most. God loves his bride. The church is his bride. And he doesn't want anyone to divide, to cause division in the church of the living God. And so for him, those that sow discord, by the way, he didn't say that he hated discord. He said he hated those that sow discord. So that's that's quite a sobering thought to think, that God actually hates something, and he hates the people that cause division in church. And more often than not, we can cause division by murmuring and complaining. My dad used to say, Moses is my hero. And the reason why he would say it is because of all the murmuring and complaining that Moses took for 40 years. I mean, everything, to the point where God got tired of the people of God. And he told Moses, hey listen, they're not complaining against you, they're complaining against me. Let's just wipe out this whole group of people and we'll start all over. Moses said, no, don't don't do that. If you take them out, take me too. That's the true pastor's heart. Loves his people. Truth of the matter is more preachers resign from ministry because they get tired. of It's not the sharks that they fear in the waters. It's those stupid minnows that come nibble at them constantly. And I have preacher friends and know of many preachers that have left just because they got weary. Were they right in leaving? I would say, no, stay there, fight it, run them out of the church, try to help them, do something. Don't let one or two people run you off. But you'd be surprised how many preachers leave because of complaining. Well, we have the teenagers in here, and so they're already feeling sorry for me because I've been standing for almost 10 minutes, and they're wondering how much longer I can make it. (laughs) The old geezers got it, so hang in there. You stay with me. And the lesson is applicable to the young people today because really, a lot of us old-timers, we deal with problems because of the habits we started in our teen years. Do I speak the truth? Amen. A lot of the temptations, a lot of the failures, a lot of life's habits, we started as teenagers. Yes, God saved us and God has forgiven us, but we battle things today needlessly if we would have done right in our teen years. So teens, now's the time to start. This is the time to charter a course and trust me, when you get to be an old geezer, you still want to be a happy person. You still want to kick back and enjoy life. And you will help yourself in your twilight years if you follow the Lord even now. But collectively as a church, man, next Sunday, that's your vision Sunday. I, I, I can't wait to hear how that goes. I, I wish the preacher, you would think a good friend would share with me, what he's going to share with you next week. I can understand why he doesn't share it with you because you guys couldn't handle it, but I can. And he hasn't shared it with me. He's holding it back till next week. But I'm telling you that that ought to be an exciting day for the church. And so he asked me to come and launch it today. And so I'm going to deal with a few things that might hinder launch Sunday or vision Sunday next week. Psalm 71, we're talking about David here, he's the writer of of this psalm, and for those of you that have studied this, you know David obviously is one of the few men in the Bible that the Bible gives gives us information when he was a a young boy, a teenager, a young adult, and then an old man. A lot of the Bible characters, we just get a a little segment of their life, and yet, David, we get to have, uh, have the opportunity to see glimpses of all the portions of his life and he's he's an older man here in Psalm 71 and so obviously this psalm is extra special for those of us that are older in in life and the psalm was written when he's old and he's going through a very difficult time and when you study the commentators they 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 all try to guess and figure out and when was this tough time in his life it It may have been when Absalom was trying to steal the kingdom from David. It may have been when Sheba uh, led an insurrection against David. It it may have been one of the many problems that David encountered uh, just because of his failure with uh, Bathsheba. And he had a ton of family problems. We don't know when the problem took place. And quite frankly, I'm glad we don't know. It's kind of like Paul's thorn in the flesh. Remember in Corinthians 12 when he said, three times I asked the Lord to remove the thorn in the flesh. But the Bible doesn't say what that thorn in the flesh was. There are some that would say it was his blindness that he couldn't see well. And that was a thorn. That was his thorn in the flesh. I personally believe it was a disgruntled woman in the church. Uh, you say, well, well, it says the messenger of Satan. <laughs> one of the biggest problems in the churches of the book of the Revelation was a woman named Jezebel. And most commentators think that that was the pastor's wife or one of the deacon's wives. And there's reason for that. You You can laugh all you want, but I just had a... a Dave Hardy called me, doing a, writing a book, surveying pastors. He said, of all the people that have left your church, what was the source of the reason? Was it the husband leading the family, taking them out of the church, or the wife? And I said, well, I'm going to say in my ministry, probably the vast majority was a disgruntled wife. He said, you know, it's almost been 100% of the preachers that I've called that have stated that. Because most men don't want to deal with an angry wife. and They'll take so much of it, and then they'll cave and move on. You know I speak the truth. And so for me, when I hear Paul having the messenger of Satan, that is a cranky old woman that just wouldn't let up off of him. But the truth of the matter is, we don't know what it was. But we do know that Paul was interested in one thing. God getting glory. That's what he wanted. He wasn't asking for the thorn to be removed so that he could have an easier life. God said, I'm not going to remove that thorn. I'm going to give you grace, my power, my strength, so that you can serve me. And Paul said, well, then, hallelujah. I'll glory in my infirmity. I'll rejoice in it. Because I want the power of God. And that's what really the theme of Psalm 71 is. David, we're going to look at one verse and then teach through all of them. Look in verse number 18. David says, Now also when I'm old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. Wow, can you get the heartbeat of David here? His whole purpose of living is that he wants people to see how powerful God is to his generation and to the younger generation, generation to come. He wants them to see that even an old person can still serve God. And if an old geezer can serve God, surely the young people will see that they can be used of God as well. Are you with me? Too many old people want to be a Santa Claus and take their kids and grandkids and great grandkids to Disney World. I'm not against all that. And play, 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 play. But you know what our generation needs today? Some old folks that will show, not teach. Not tell, show the younger generation the power of God. You know how we can show this generation the power of God? When we're hurting, when old people are hurting, which, by the way, is one of the reasons why we get angry and cranky in our old age. I don't know about you, but when I'm not feeling good, I get cranky. I know it's hard to believe someone like me get cranky. I mean, he smiles all the time. Look at the handlebar mustache, gives that appearance. I smile all the time. But I'm here to tell you, when I don't feel good, I get upset. My first home that we had in the village that we live in, the guy that, you know what a cold air return is? That sheet metal that allows cold air to return throughout your house. Well, the guy that installed it was five foot seven. And so when he installed it going down the steps, he could clear it because he put it at five foot eight. Well, I'm five foot eleven and a half. and a half. I was five foot 11 and three quarters, but I'm already on my way down. But five, and I was running down the basement, and there was about three inch difference there. And I ran into that cold air return, hit myself in the forehead. You know what happens? It hurts. It wasn't like I could say, oh, now how should I, respond to this biblically. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. In everything give thanks. No. When someone hurts you, you don't have time to think. When someone hurts you, what do you want to do? You want to hurt them. It's a knee-jerk reflex. And that cold air return hurt me. And so without even thinking, I just... Hit it. I'll show it a thing or two. You say, well, that was stupid. Yeah, I agree that was really stupid. Because you know what? Now I have a head that's throbbing and a hand that's throbbing. And you know what? I can't even yell at the dumb thing because it can't hear me. I'm just saying, when you're hurting, you're grouchy. And you say and do things that you wish you hadn't later. Well, Let's uh, get into the lesson. The front page is what we discussed yesterday in our lesson, but I figured we'd have some other grumpy old people, so I just put it in here. We're teaching today in Sunday school. We're going to preach in church. And for those of you that don't remember, the difference between teaching and preaching. In Sunday school, teaching, we talk to you. In, in the morning service, when we preach, we yell at you. And so... <clears throat> Now I'm going to just chat with you a little bit, and so we have some blanks to fill in. You can do your own uh, extensive study later. I want to give you the antidote or the cure for complaining. I want to help us to uh, not be old grumpy old saints. Number one, I will remember with wonder and thanks the thousands of times I have leaned on God since my youth. Look in verse number five. For thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust from my youth. Verse 17. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. I'm going to remember the thousands of times that I've leaned on God since my youth. How many have been saved for at least 30, 40 years? Then you know what I'm talking about. You just cannot, in fact, you've probably forgotten how many times you've leaned on the Lord and he's helped you through difficult times. How many have been saved less than 10 years, got saved later in life? You know, brother, some of the old timers in my church have come to me and said, man, preacher, I am so thankful God saved me. But if I was allowed to wish for anything, I wished I would have got saved when I was 18 or in my younger years. I have. Wasted so much of my life, and I feel like I'm way behind where I ought to be. Could I encourage you a little bit? There's a parable in the New Testament the Lord uses. And, and some of you will remember that, I'm sure. Remember when the, the boss hired some men, hired men to do some work in the field? And uh, we're running out of time, and the boss went out and hired a guy at 11 o'clock, I mean an hour before the end of the day. And he got the same wage as the rest of the guys that worked all day. Do you remember that parable? Yes. You know what that, that's to remind us? You got saved at the 11 o'clock hour. Some of you got saved later in life. You're not going to be shortchanged changed anything. All the blessings that God can give to his children, he'll give to you. Everything that you need every joy, if you follow the Lord, you're not going to be shortchanged a thing. You're going to be blessed equally as if you'd worked your whole life for the Lord. Hallelujah. And so this says, I can remember with wonder and thanks of the thousands of times that I've leaned on God from my youth. And that applies to those of us that even got saved later in life. Number two, I will take refuge in God rather than uh, taking offense at my troubles. We are living in a very sensitive generation. And and by the way, it's not just young people. Although I'm learning with young people, you know, even in texting. uh, I joke about it and, and I just had it reminded here recently that, man, you can't put capital letters in a text. Because that means you're yelling at them or shouting at them. And, and so my generation or my understanding, I don't even know if it's my generation, when we capitalized the word, it was just to emphasize something. Does that make sense? So if I yell or, you know, I'm not yelling at you kids. Quite frankly, I'm jealous of you to have some hair on my head, but that's another story. But if I raise my voice, it's just because I'm emphasizing something. When I go to the Chicago White Sox game or Chicago Cubs or the Bears, any sporting event, I don't go out there and say, oh, bravo, bravo. That was a good hit. Oh, no, I'm yelling and screaming. When the umpire makes a bad call, I let him know about it. Like I'm going to help him, but I'm going to let him know about it. He's going to hear it. Hallelujah. I'll take refuge in God rather than taking offense. Problems come in our life where we get offended so easily. Someone sits in our seat, parks in our parking space, speaks too long, too short, doesn't smile at us, didn't shake my hand ate the piece of bacon I wanted. We take offense over very silly things, but there are some serious things in life that usually do offend people. But for God's people, we need to take refuge in God, knowing that he's in control. Thirdly, I will speak to God more and more, not less and less, Of all his greatness until there's no room in my mouth for murmuring. I think it helps the average Christian and the average church to talk about God. That's called praising God. I like to sit on the front row of the church at home or even when I'm away because I like to sing and I like to sing loud and I'm not a very good singer. And so because I change, you know, I've lived with women my whole life, so, you know, uh, they can change their mind in an instant. So I've picked up some of their habits, and so I'll sing bass, and then I'll change and sing the lead, and, or the melody, and then I'll sing the alto, and, and then I'll sing the tenor, and sometimes I make up parts that aren't even written in there. I just sing whatever I want to sing. And if I'm sitting behind you, I realize I'm going to throw you off, so I just s- try to sit on the front row. But every now and then, I, when a song blesses my heart, I can't help but say, mm, amen, amen, I mean, I just, it just, I got to let it out. And every now and then I'll say, praise the Lord. Is there anything wrong with saying that? No. No. But is saying praise the Lord, praising the Lord? I could say, my wife is beautiful. She's an awesome cook she's very thrifty and economical she loves to play games she's my travel buddy she's a wonderful mother she's a wonderful grandma she's uh, a hard worker what am i doing i'm praising my wife i didn't say well praise the wife (laughs) no i praised her so when i say praise the lord there's nothing wrong with saying that but is that praising him i'm just saying i think god's people ought to be talking about what god does for us who he is he's a great god he's a wonderful god he's a merciful god He's a faithful God. He's a loving God. We ought to be talking about him, praising him more and more, not less and less. Number four, I will hope and not give in to despair, even in the nursing home, and even if I outlive all my friends. Some of the old timers in my church, they say, well, preacher, it's, it's getting rough. All my friends are dying off. Oh, my buddy, I said, Well, you can avoid that sorrow. <laughs> and they look at me, Yeah, just you can die first, <laughs> then you have to go to their funerals. I mean, that's that's something that'll be in your rear view mirror. Everybody wants to go to heaven, nobody wants to die. <laughs> Do you realize, young people, when you When you talk about old people, let me help you out, because every one of you have a grandma and grandpa. Do you realize that every old person over the age of 70, 80, do you know what the next major event on their personal calendar is? It's death. And the thing is, they know it's rapidly approaching, and they have no way of stopping it. Think about that. And so I tell our old people, myself included, hey, I want to be able to show people not only how to live, but how to die. If God is a great God, I'm going to have a final word, more than likely. If I'm killed tragically, that doesn't mean that I didn't have a final word. It just meant that it was unplanned. Are you with me? Otherwise... Man, if we want to show this generation how great of a God we have, man, why not take even our last great event in this life to declare how great God is? He is either great or he isn't. And quite frankly, I think all of us think that we ought to live as 25-year-olds until we're 95, 97, whenever we decide to check out. That's, that's what we think. But the truth of the matter is, none of us know when we're checking out. It could be a teenager that we walk by the casket of this week. Don't know that. It might be a 90-year-old this week. I'm just saying, if we have a great God, let's show him strong all the way to the end. And then number five, what number are we on? Are we on number five? And we've got two minutes, so write fast. Number five, I will find people to tell about God's wonderful acts of salvation and never run out because they're innumerable. I will find people to tell about God's wonderful acts of salvation. Number six, I'll summarize these for time's sake. I will remember that there are great things about God above my imagination. And soon enough, I will know these too. I want to pause just to remind the old people in here, you don't know everything. And if you've been saved for 60 years, I had one elderly woman that's still alive today, and I was hoping that I would outlive her. My prayer was that I would pastor longer than my critics. My prayer was not answered. She's still kicking. But i got to remind her, she said to me once, you preached that sermon once, 22 years ago. I said, yeah, well, what's that got to do with anything? Well, you didn't have to study much this week. Well, let me ask you a question. You, she likes to sing. I said, you sing songs. You're in a singing group. You sing the same stupid songs over and over. Quite frankly, we enjoy them. And the truth of the matter is, you didn't even write the songs you sang. You stole a song that someone else wrote. (laughs) At least I write my own sermons. And so if I want to re-preach it 22 years later, it ought to be an indicator you didn't practice it 22 years ago. And and then out loud I said, okay, thank you. (laughs) Those were just thoughts going through my mind. (laughs) I want to remind the old people, you may have a younger pastor than you. That doesn't mean you can't be taught by him. Number seven, I will count all my pain and troubles. Oh, boy. I would have to ruin the lesson with this one. I will count all my pain and troubles as a gift from God. And I can't illustrate these last two. Number eight, I will resist stereotypes of old people and play and sing and shout with joy whether I look dignified or not. Why? Because I want to show God's power to this generation. We went to see my granddaughter sing a few uh, weeks ago. She's, she sings and she was singing with the uh, band, jazz band of the high school there and and then they went into a, a segment of songs of the 50s and uh it was kind of funny. In fact, the director said, now if you want to get out there and dance, go ahead. Well, even if I wanted to, I couldn't. There was church people there. so, <laughs> But I can't, I can't dance. I mean, I don't have the coordination to dance. But it was really funny because there was this old couple. They got out there. And I mean, he was from the 60s, baby. I'm telling you, he had the long ponytail. He just never grew up, you know. And they're out there. And this is I'm not making this up. They were dancing. This is what he was doing. I'll get up here. Held her hand. She's over here. Looked like Tim Conway. (laughs) And you know, not one person in the audience made fun of them. They cheered for them. It was a ridiculous sight. They were not going to be on America's bandstand. Are you with me? Yes. Young people are saying, What's America's bandstand? <laughs> the audience, young and old, thought it was wonderful that two old geezers didn't care what an audience thought. They were going to enjoy with the little energy and strength they had to do that. Now, I'm not recommending anybody to go dancing tonight. Are you with me? But I am saying this. If anybody ought to show the joy that's in their heart, it ought to be God's people. And we ought to be a joyful people. And we have something to be joyful about. You practice these eight things You'll avoid being a grumpy old man. You'll be a wonderful church member for your pastor and for your church. And your young people will love hanging out with you. And quite frankly, they'll help some of you old folks. And I, for one, appreciate all the help I can get from young people. God bless you. (laughs)